0: Welcome to the Freedom Church podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come.
1: How's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. So glad you're here. How about we give Jesus Christ praises. We have breath and life to get here this morning. Let's do that, all right? So glad you're here today. One more thing. Give somebody some love if we're watching online. Give them some love. We love you guys we thankful to leverage technology for when people can't be here, they're sick, and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, last week we had a great time with Easter and uh, a lot of changed lives, a lot of different things going on with that. So glad you're back today. Last week I started a series of messages, I'm going to go through the book of Daniel and talk about different things with Daniel, but we're talking about being overwhelmed. How many of you find yourself overwhelmed at times, right? Yes, I think we all do. And There was a particular time today as I move forward, I'm going to talk about stress and anxiety. We usually do a lot of services at Easter. We do a lot of services at Christmas. And when we do, we usually do a lot of extra things to love on our church family, love on the community and everything. But I remember a few years ago, uh, we had going to have this ice skating rink out in front of the church and this huge monstrous slide that's about the size of three transfer trucks. I mean, huge deal. So Saturday went good. Other than had some rain and had some rain misting and different things, and wasn't so bad. But uh, you know, we still enjoyed the services, had a great time together. And then the next morning, we had I think three services. I think we had five services that weekend. But anyway, well that being said. The next morning, they're coming to me and they said, Pastor, the guy's not here to get the thing blowed back up and all the thing's going. And so I began to think, well, where is this guy? You know? Well, next thing you know, this guy's not showing up. And it's already about service time. Of course, they're going to go out and enjoy between the service after service. Well, listen, by the time the service is here and we do 20, 25 minutes whatever worship, this guy's still not here. And I'm walking around and, and my, I'm just tore all to pieces. And I'm thinking, this guy right here, he must have had a wreck. Something's bad happening. He's not answering his phone. And, in, and people are coming to my family and some of my girls and saying, your dad looks really stressed out. He looks like he's upset. And yeah, I was tore all to pieces. This guy could be dead. The guy was from Virginia. He came here to do this deal, and on Saturday night, he went down to Broadway and got drunk. That's the reason he couldn't be here that next morning. And I, here I am, I'm having heart palpitations and going crazy because we've got all this stuff going on here at church. And, and, and here's one thing I learned from that. It's, it's kind of like this, and maybe in your stressful situations, stress and anxiety often comes when we face life experiences that are unplanned and unprepared for Do you agree with that? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Maybe you went back to school and your, your, your professor comes in your class or your professor comes online and says, are you ready for the test? We're about to take a test. And you didn't, even, you didn't even realize there was a test. You missed that fact that there was a test and you didn't study for the test. Or Maybe it's a situation where you just got a bill in the mail from your doctor that you thought the insurance was going to cover and it shocked you when you read the number of what they're saying you're going to have to pay for. Or maybe it's a situation where the, the school calls about your kid. You thought your kid was doing great in school, and, but yet they're calling and saying, we need to meet with you about some behavioral issues. Or maybe it's a situation where that you've done really well, you thought your marriage was going really good, but next thing you know, you're served divorce papers in the house and they're there with you. Whatever it is in your life, there's a lot of things that causes stress and anxiety. And here's what I'll tell you about that. There's never gonna be a time that you're going to get away from having some kind of stress coming your way. Now, let me say this to you. You might say, Pastor, I'm not stressed in the moment. You might not be stressed in the moment, but I'll guarantee you that stress is like this. There's either stress you just come out of or stress you're in, or stress is coming your way. And there are always, listen, until Jesus comes back, There's going to be anxiety-causing situations until we go to be with Jesus forever. So I'm not here to tell you today about how you can get out of anxiety and stress. I can't tell you that. But I'm going to tell you today with God's help how that you can get through that that you face in your life because we all face it at different levels in different situations. There's five particular things that we're going to go through today of talking about how to get through stress and anxiety. And first and foremost, you've got to get this in your heart and in your mind, church, that you've got to believe that God is holy and that God is good. Now a lot of times when we think about that, we don't realize that God does not change. We change as human beings, but God never changes as God. And we've got to grasp the unchanging character of Almighty God, that He is holy. He's a holy God. Matter of fact, Two particular times in the Bible, in the Scripture, He's so holy that it's repeated three consecutive times. It's repeated in Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 6, verse 3. It's also repeated in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Holy, holy, holy. And when you think about God being holy, that God is sacred, He is pure, He is sinless, He is upright. God never makes a mistake. Not one time does He ever had to look at His Son Jesus to His right and say, whoops, I missed that one, Jay never has to say that because his character is flawless and God's track record is flawless but also when you think about him God is not only holy but God is good I love Psalm 136 there in verse 1 and it says thanks be the Lord because he is good he's good look up to him and say "You're you're good you're good God but Sometimes you may think, and if you're like me, you process and you think different things and you, and you think about different things about God and church and all those kinds of things. Have you ever thought about this? Thought, is there anything that God can't do? Well, there's one thing that God can't do. Two things, actually. God can't stop being holy and God can't stop being good. It's just not going to happen. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Listen, he does this. But it's not because he does these things. It's not what he does. It's who God is. He is holy and is good. And some of you right now, you may be having some pushback right now because of some overwhelming circumstances that you're going through. And you're thinking, if God is so holy and good, pastor, why does he let bad things happen? Maybe you're like me and you've prayed for something and it didn't happen. And then in your mind and in your heart, you begin to have a doubt just about how good God is or how holy God is. You know, I was, my father, my father passed away May 21st of 16. He fought a really hard battle with Alzheimer's. How many of you here have had a loved one or somebody that's affected you personally with Alzheimer's? Look, hold your hand up for a second, look, look across. I'll ask you forgiveness before I say this, but let me tell you something about Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's sucks. My father worked hard his whole life, and after he retired, i seen this terrible disease grip his mind to become a man that I didn't know anymore. When you go see your father and he thinks you're his brother, it rips your heart out. And you pray and you pray and you ask God to heal him and he doesn't. And if we doubt God's holiness and goodness when he doesn't do what we ask him to do, you know what? That makes us the object of our worship, not God. Because God didn't do what we wanted to do. So no matter our circumstances, good or bad, we have to accept the reality. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter what's causing stress, no matter what's causing this anxiety, that God is good and God is holy. Look at what Jesus said in Luke, chapter 11, beginning with verse 11. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying here that God cannot give us a bad gift He just can't do that, which is just the opposite of how we feel when something bad happens to us in our lives. How many dads do we have here? You've got kids. Raise your hand for a moment. Yeah. I mean, when you think about your fathership to your kid and how that you've done, I imagine if we talked one-on-one, you'd say there's times that you made mistakes, and I would say there's times I made mistakes, too. But for the most part, I believe about you dads here, you wanted to do what you could do to treat your children well. Now, just think about our Heavenly Father. Just think how much more our Heavenly Father wants to treat you and I and treat His children. The greatest gift that He could ever give us is the Holy Spirit after we give our life to Christ and so much more. God is holy His, and He's so good, and His desire is for us is to give us everything that we could ever imagine that lines up with His desire and will for our lives. So you've got to believe, no matter what you're facing and what you're going through, that He is holy and that He is good, but you've also got to believe God's promises. I don't know if you realize this, but when you think about promises, there are 3,573 3, promises recorded in the Bible. I remember one time when I was about 13, 14 years old, I'll never forget this, I was home by myself. We had a two-story house in the basement and mom and dad weren't there. I'm right in that age right there that I think I'm a man, but I'm still a boy, right? But (laughs) mom and dad's not there. My older brother's not there. And so I hear something down in the basement. And I mean, it's not your normal noise. And I started freaking out, okay? I didn't know what was going on. So I knew where my daddy's 38 special pistol was. So I go and get my daddy's thirty-eight pistol, and then I go over to the stairs, and I'm like Barney Five, stepping down the stairs. You know, and I'm listening around, and I'm thinking, whoever you are, I don't know how to use this, but I'll pull the trigger. You know, it's kind of, you know, I just, you know, you're just in that moment, and you're scared, and you know, and it's the worst thing about it, my wife, my, my, my mother told me that our house had ghosts. And I'm thinking, okay, where's the Ghostbusters, you know? But, it's, but anyway, in that moment, I didn't claim the promise that God was with me. And sometimes you're alone no matter what you're going through. You don't claim the promise that God is with you. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So he's saying here, God is saying, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing in life, you're not alone. God is with you. Paul told the church at Philippi, which is applicable to us, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Say that with me. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Why is that? Because he says here, the Lord is near. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why is it so important that you and I grasp the fact that God is with us even in our lives and what we're going through? Because understand that God's presence is always greater than your problems. You've got to grasp that. You've got to understand that. And understand it because he walks with us through any stressful situation that's going on in the world. His presence is with us. It's greater than what you're going through. And understanding that God has more power than we do. God has more wisdom than we do. God has more awareness than we do. And because he's going to always walk with us, no matter what stressful situation that the world throws at you in your life. So you've got to believe that God is holy and good. You've got to believe his promises. But also, here's something that's very, and, and very, very, very important. Listen to me. Stop fighting for control you say what do you mean well let me ask this question i'll set this up like this how many type a people do we have in here nope man type a people yeah type a yeah now hang on a minute the rest of everybody else needs to understand who you are you're the person that's detailed you're the person that's methodical you're the person that's organized. You're the person that color codes. No, you don't just have a calendar. You color code your calendar. You're the person that when you eat M&Ms, you sort them out in piles of colors. Okay, that's who you are. Well, here's something I hate to burst your bubble about being a type A person, but you're the person that whenever you have a to-do list, you get to do if you don't get it done. So now raise your hand. Type A people, raise your hand. Everybody, they don't even want to raise their hands now to admit it, see. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) you freak out when you don't get things done because you think that you have to get it done. But here's what I'll tell you. Everybody in this building here, there's some area of your life that you struggle with that you don't have control of. That's everybody here today. And God has little ways of trying to let us know how little of control that we really have, if any. Because when you think you're in control, it's just an illusion of your imagination. Listen to me you didn't control when you were born, you didn't control where you were born. You didn't control who your parents was. You didn't control what your ethnicity is, you see, because you're not in control. Now, let me ask this question here. Um, How many husbands here and wives are in the building? Raise your hand, husbands and wives. Husband and wives in the building, okay. Now, I want to talk to the wives just for a moment. How many of you wives would say that your husband's driving makes you nervous. Raise your hand, wives. Well, I'm glad you raised your hands because there's enough of you that we are having a bad driving, anonymous, husband's anonymous class here at the church, and you can sign up on our app. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but I'm in the same boat, okay? My driving makes my wife nervous, okay? And you know what? We discovered something, is that when we go on trips— My wife does the driving because we want to have a peaceful, loving, joyous time when we go somewhere. And she knows it and I know it. But is and here's what I'll tell you, my wife's a very safe driver, she is. She's a very safe driver. Hey, as a matter of fact, I trust her driving completely that I will sit over there and snore and slobber run down my jaw on the, on the, on the window over there and bounce in the window. You know what I'm saying? But no matter how safe Shanna's driving is, there can be a very unsafe driver that I, that we have no control over that could dart across the median in any moment and hit us because we don't have any control. You know, my wife, she, she wants to be able to drive so she wouldn't have control of that. I remember one time, my wife, she doesn't like unsafe drivers at all. We were going from Clearwater over to Orlando to go over to the parks. And there was this tractor trailer that was slow walking the crowd. And people would try to go around on the inside lane and he would go over and run them up on the banks and mess them up and everything. And next thing you know, my wife, she didn't like it all, thought it's unsafe doing something. So she, we pulled up around the guy. She looks up at the truck driver and says, I'm calling the law on you. She let him know, I'm telling on you. But we have little control over somebody who drives, right? You may eat right, exercise. You might even weigh your food. <laughs> you could be one breath away from a heart attack. And here's what I want to say to you. If we will truly grasp how little of control we have it might make you very nervous it might even cause you stress but we have to understand that god is in control so we've got to stop fighting control fighting for control if you're that type a person and even all of us the things that we think we have control over and then your stress can go down then your anxiety can go down in your life so we pick up in the book of daniel here And we're going to be looking at Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I don't know where Daniel's at in chapter 3. He could have been on a trip. Some people, scholars believe he could have been one that bowed down. I don't think that. But either way, Daniel's not in the picture here. But here's what happened. Nutty King Nebuchadnezzar decided to build this 90-foot tall, 9-foot wide, solid gold statue, and he put out and said that when the pagan worship band plays, you're to bow down to this statue. And you may be thinking, well, I wouldn't do that for nothing, you know, no matter what they played at that moment. Well, if you didn't, you would be thrown into the fiery furnace. So it would be simple. It's very simple what he's saying here. Bow down and live. Stand up and get fried. Now some of you may be thinking now, well, my current stressful situation is just not as stressful as I thought it was compared to these guys. But with these three guys, it would have been really easy, listen to me, to rationalize and and bow down. And basically, we're going to bow down on the outside, but we're really standing up on the inside. We just need to be able to live. But let me tell you something about rationalize. To rationalize is to tell rational lies. Maybe you're dating someone right now. Matter of fact, you've gotten engaged. You're a month out from saying I do and walking the aisle and getting married. And you begin to rationalize, well, it's okay. We can go ahead and move forward in our intimacy. It's just fine. We're getting married anyway. Rational lies. Maybe it's a situation where you're working for somebody and you're doing books and you're doing accounting and your boss wants you to fudge the books a little bit. And you're thinking I don't want to do that because that's wrong and I've got integrity but if I don't fudge the books then I'm going to lose my job and I don't want to lose my job so I'll just do that and I'll go home and ask God to forgive me. Rational lies. Maybe you work in the food industry and You're waiting tables, and you know how it is. A lot of them, they split the tips up around everybody. You know those, those of you that are in that industry. And maybe you're keeping more of the cash than what you're telling that's coming in because you feel like your situation financially is a lot worse off than the rest of the ones you're working with. Rational lies. Maybe you've got a contract on something, and you're just going to put something in there that's not exactly right. But if you don't, it's going to blow the deal. And you do it anyway, knowing it's wrong, and ask God to forgive you. Rational lies. The enemy, Satan, will always put pressure on us to rationalize and bow to false things and false gods. So let's take and let's check out, beginning with verse 7 in Daniel 3, in this story. So at the sound of a musical instrument, all the people, whatever the race or nation or language bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree wearing, uh, requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they would hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither." lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But, everybody say, but, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. See, these guys... Here, imagine thousands of people bowing down, and there's just three guys standing up. Well, these guys right here stood up like, stood out like a senior adult group at a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> so, they got basically there in the crowd, and they're getting in. Now, we're buried, They're not bowing. So, they're here telling on them, and they all bowed except for these three guys. You know why they didn't bow? Because they knew God was holy. They knew God was good. They knew God was with them and they knew God was in control. And if you refuse to bow, listen to me, if you and I refuse to bow to false gods, you're going to experience stress and anxiety because you're going to be the only ones that's going to stand out from the crowd when you stand for what's right. He goes on to say here, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse... You will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Basically, Nebuchadnezzar here is saying, we're going to jam one more time with the worship team here. You got one more chance to do it. He's pulling out all the stops the king is. See, when you think about the enemy, the enemy, Satan, he does everything he can do to threaten you in your life. He uses fear. He uses intimidation, he uses isolation, and he uses manipulation to be able to have a weapon against you, to be able to tear down your mind and get you to focus on these things and to be able to bring you into a very stressful and anxiety-filled life. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. See, these three guys here, they were in a situation that was unplanned for and they were unprepared for. And if they had focused on their circumstances, it would have completely crushed them completely at that moment. Do you ever get so focused in your life on circumstances that it's hard for you to focus on Christ? I mean, it's just just overwhelming in your life. You focus on the size of the problem more than you focus on the size of God. You cannot do both. It will not happen. And the enemy's going to try to do everything he can do to imprison you in your circumstances, to keep you overwhelmed, to keep you stressed out, to keep you in fear, to keep you intimidated, to keep you isolated, to keep you manipulated, and everything he's doing. Jesus said of the enemy himself in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said he is the father of lies. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes for to steal kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to attack our minds and get us to focus on the very things, grab this, that you have absolutely zero control over. And if you focus on the voice of of the enemy, you're going to be controlled by fear. But if you focus on the voice of God, you're going to be controlled by faith. Understand that there's no middle ground. That's why it's so important that we get grounded in the Word of Almighty God. Because the truth of God will always refute and be able to destroy the enemy. Praise God for that. That's so true. So, I want you to think with me for a moment here, church. When you think about the Word of God and you think about Jesus, okay? Jesus Christ, before he started his public ministry, was in the wilderness and Satan tempted him three particular times. How did he ward off the temptations of the enemy? By quoting the Word of Almighty God, quoting the Word back to the enemy, Jesus gave us this example for you and I. When we get hit by the enemy, to be able to quote the Word of God to the enemy, Jesus gave us this example. Now, overcoming the situation by quoting God's Word. Now, see if you recognize any of these things that the enemy will often say to us in our lives. You're no good. You can't do it. You've tried and you have failed before. Maybe it would say to you, no one's going to listen to you. You're a failure. You're ugly. You mean you think you're going to try to lead your family spiritually? What do you think your wife's going to think when you try to do that? On and on and on. The enemy tries to attack your mind and get you focused on the things like this. There's one thing you will have control over. The Word does tell us. The Word tells us. Look at the second letter of Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 5, it says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is one of the few things that we have control over, and we have control over what we're choosing to think about in our mind. The enemy does not want you and I to focus on Christ. The enemy does not want you and I to focus on God's Word. Satan wants us to focus on the circumstances so he can keep us in fear, that he can keep us worried, that he can keep us stressed out. Then it can keep us to anxiety on our list and doing everything in our body. And here's what you'll do. If you get you to focus on them things, you will go to the doctor instead of going to the great physician. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's the truth. Doctors help us and medicine's good, and I'm not down on that at all. But I want you to understand, so many times we go to somebody earthly instead of we going to somebody heavenly. That's our problem, church. We got to go somebody heavenly. Now look at the amazing response of faith of these three guys. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, we are, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. What a declaration here of what they believed, of how much greater their God was than what their circumstances and situations that they're facing. But look at verse 18, this is incredible. It says, but, say but, but even if he doesn't, we we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship the gold statue you have set up. I want you to understand this church. This is one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible of faith-filled men of Almighty God. We're not bowing to you, your majesty, even if we have to die. Wow. Nebuchadnezzar was, found so, was so furious at Shadrach, Meshach, a bit ago that his face became distorted with rage. <laughs> Could you imagine how red-faced he was? How many of you know somebody when they get upset, they get distorted and their face turns red? <laughs> Yeah, how many of you live with him? Just put your hand back down. (laughs) Right? Well, he's he's jacked up here, okay? All right? He's messed all up. It says, he commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. Wow. (laughs) You'd think because these three guys here had done all the right things for God, then all of a sudden God would, would just come down on a white horse. <laughs> he would come in and wipe out all the adversaries. He would take over. <sighs> the crowd goes wild and God wins. Nope. After all, <laughs> they stood their ground, didn't they? They believed God was greater, didn't they? they? They was greater than what they were going through. And then when they believed it, he heats up the furnace seven times hotter. See, Some of us may have to walk through a furnace in this life that's seven times hotter than we ever expected before we come out of the trial that we're going to through. It may be seven times hotter at work next week. It may be seven times hotter in marriage difficulties. It may get seven times hotter when it comes to your relationship with your kids. It may be seven times harder when it comes to your relationship with your family. It may be seven times harder when it comes to your financial shortfall. It just may happen. The story goes on to say and says, Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So he, they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot, such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. They'd done everything right. And God still allowed them to go into the furnace. And some of you may be thinking, well, what about God being holy, pastor? What about God being good? What about God being with him? What about God being in control? Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're going to escape stressful, anxiety-filled times and situations in your life. But here, in this story and maybe in yours, the story isn't over. So we know that to get through these times, that we need to believe that God is holy and good and that we believe his promises and that he's with us, you know, and we need to stop fighting for control. But also, we just need to open up our eyes. We just got to open up our eyes sometimes. Guys, let me talk to the guys for a minute. Especially the guys, guys that's married here are you like me sometimes, you go in the kitchen, and you go in the cupboard, and you try to open up the door, and you're looking for that one thing you want to munch on. You know what, you just, all right, it just popped in your head what that one thing is you want to munch on. And you go in there, and you can't find it, okay? And you holler to your wife, honey, I'm trying to find the Cheetos, we don't have any Cheetos. She says, oh yeah, we do. Third door on the right, top shelf. Honey, you must be mistaken, there's not any Cheetos." And then, as my wife does, she comes to me with her smiling, beautiful face. And she's smiling in a way that says, you big dummy, you know what I'm saying? And goes right in there, and she had to have had him behind her back. I mean, you know, I mean just and pulls them out of the same cabinet that I'm looking in, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. All that to say this, understand this, you see what you're prepared to see. Back to our story here. Look at Daniel chapter 3 and verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Okay, he jumps up. Okay, the king thinks their go- gooses are cooked here, right? But he jumps up. Understanding a king in this culture never jumped to his feet. This was taboo. They just didn't do that. But he saw something here in the crowd of people that he saw in the furnace. So just imagine, he's there and he's, he's counting. one, two three four hey cletus come here for a second how many did we throw in this fire look what it says right here did we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace yes your majesty we certainly did they replied look nebuchadnezzar shouted i see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god Scholars agree that this was an Old Testament appearing of Jesus Christ that was in the fire with them. But Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they didn't see Jesus until they were in the fire. You see? until they were in the midst of this. And if you're in the middle of a stressful circumstance right now in your life that's causing you anxiety, that's completely off the charts, seven times hotter than anything you've ever dealt with before, maybe it's time that you stop praying, God, get me out of this, and praying, Jesus, let me see you in the middle of this fire. Jesus gets our attention in the fire and in ways that we never noticed if things were always going good. That happens in my life. That happens in your life. And when we're in fiery, stressful situations, God allows it so that we can see Jesus more clearly and so that we can even walk with Jesus more closely. How would you know that Jesus was a healer unless you needed healing? How would you know that Jesus was a savior unless there was something that you needed Jesus to save you from in your life? How would you know that he's the provider? If it wasn't a time that you experienced the lean of not having anything. And not being able to make it. If you're in the fire and it's seven times hotter right now, here's my challenge to you. Pray boldly. Jesus, let me see you in this fire. Teach me who you are, Jesus, in this fire. Because God is holy. God is always with us. And he is in complete control. We just simply need to open up our eyes. And when we do, the last thing is you can just embrace freedom. You embrace freedom. Look at Daniel chapter 3 and verse 26. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. His tune changed, didn't it? What God's going to save you, to the Most High God. Everything has changed here in this moment. Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Listen to me, people that are non-Christians, maybe you're here today, you can lean out on this, you can check your Facebook page, see if your post got any likes or anything. Non-Christians are people that don't believe. They are watching you, if you're a professing Christian, to see how you walk through the fires of this life. And they're watching to see how you're going to respond to the things that happens in this life when we're right in the middle of the fire. And let me tell you what, your response to what you're going through in the fire is going to say more to them about a great God who's always in the fire with us than any sermon that I could preach or that you could ever preach. It will speak multitudes to them. It says, then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Wow. Didn't even smell like smoke. You remember earlier, they said that they tied them up. The only thing that was burned off of them is what the enemy was using to bind them. Woo! Rick Flair moment there now. That's the only thing that's burned off of them is what the enemy was using to bind them. It goes on to say, Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. He's still got an attitude. He's just, he's a new guy, okay? He's rough, rough around edges, edge is a new Christian, okay? He said, they're going to be torn from limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even the higher positions in the, provident, in the province of Babylon. See, the purpose of the fire for these guys wasn't punishment. The purpose of the fire came out in promotion that's what God does he comes out in promotion here and think about these three men think about the fire three men went in the fire four men were walking around in the fire three men came out of the fire so then where is Jesus Jesus is still in the fire. So if you're in the fire right now, Jesus is in the fire with you no matter what you're going through. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to go with you all the way to the end of this world till you make your home in heaven. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve, church. He's a good God. He's a good God. Isaiah gives us words of encouragement when we're overwhelmed. I love this. And we're in overwhelming circumstances that causes us all this stress and anxiety. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I am, I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters i will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown when you walk through the fire of oppression you will not be burned up the flames will not consume you for i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior another promise right there for us no matter what you're going through you know i talked to you earlier about my dad, something I'll I'll get through this. On May 21st, it was a Saturday, 2016. um, It was nighttime and Shannon and I decided to go home. My dad was in a hospital bed on hospice care my mom and dad's house and we decided to go home Chloe was there mom was there and, and our friend Wanda was there we got home and they called and said dad had passed away so we rushed over there as fast as we could and And the thing I struggled with is that mom, Wanda, or Chloe just happened to not be in the room. And I thought my dad died alone. And he brought me to this thought I remember back in August of 2003 when my grandmother, Aunt Trudy, my mom's mom. We were in the room with her and God brought to my remembrance. She was really struggling with the death rattle and right before she passed, she reached up with her hand and we knew that the Lord was there just about to take her home. Then she passed. She reached out to him and God gave me a peace, not to stress about this, not to worry about this, When my dad drew his last breath, I know my great God came to him and he wasn't alone. He had never left his side. He was there with him to carry him into the promised land. And I thank God for that. So no matter what stressful situation you're in right now, you may not get out of it but you're gonna get through it because our God is with us. He's holy and he's good. He's always with us. He's in control. We just gotta open our eyes up to whatever we're dealing with to see where Jesus is in the situation and embrace the freedom that he gives us because he's God and he loves us more than you'll ever love anybody. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you and we praise you and we honor you today. We thank you that you're such a loving, merciful, holy, good God. So many times when we live in this carnal flesh, God, it really does overwhelm us. God, the times and situations that we face, it stresses us so much, God. Anxiety fills our hearts and our minds. Right now, God, I pray for every person here that's in the fire in this moment. That you will show yourself to them as they open up their eyes to you, God. How many of you right now, in the sound of my voice, as we pray, would you just lift your hand up right now and say, Pastor, I'm in the fire. Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up everywhere across this auditorium. How many of you here on the sound of my voice know that you need Jesus in your life to get you through the fiery situation you're facing? Would you just lift your hand, everybody lift your hand. We need Jesus, don't we? Even if you don't know Jesus. So I'm gonna go down here to the floor and our pastors are gonna be down here on the floor. We're gonna sing and as we sing, I wanna challenge you to do something, come up in and in we would be privileged and honored to pray with you. Don't stand there and be hurting and burdened and stressed and anxiety just over overcoming you we want to pray for you here while we sing and even if you don't know Christ I want to ask you to come we want to pray for you you need Jesus more than anything in the fires of life that we face father right now God we rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus he has no right to be here we're going to go into a time God of just letting you work in the lives and I pray God you'll work in every life here God in Jesus name we pray amen come right on don't wait
0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's Word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you received Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what he has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.